Operation Opera podcast, Elisa and I chatted about audition season and all of the exciting things that sort of roll around our brains when we get to this time of year. Enjoy. I actually just um, spent some quiet time by myself meditating and um, I have a coaching this afternoon and an audition on Thursday morning, which I'm looking forward to because the morning is actually earlier because I now live in Utah, and so am I, well, it's a 12.40 audition, so it's like a 10.40 audition for me on Thursday, uh-huh. and I've just been, I've just been doing a lot of sort of soul searching, because I was having, as you know, sort of a real anxiety attack at the end of last week mm-hmm. about all of this, and I think I'm terrified that I'm going to disappoint my new managers, mm-hmm. this is I'm representing me at auditions, and I want that not to be the case. I want them to just embrace me and be like, you're great right now and you'll get better and we're just happy to have you on our roster. Um, (laughs) But there are these other sort of side thoughts of just running away and like Mm. giving it up, (laughs) just living peacefully in the mountains far from civilization. These are the kinds of thoughts that I get when auditions are coming up. I I have a thought. Immediately yep. as you were talking about that. And you can completely disagree. You can, you know, jump down my throat, whatever. But my thought that immediately came up is when you said, you know, I just have this, you know, sort of paralyzing fear that you're going to disappoint your new managers. And my immediately, my immediate thought is, so what? <clears throat> like, I, honestly, no, honestly, like, because the, the fact of the matter is, this isn't about them. Right. Like this is about you and what you have to give to the world. And this is about your journey and they are a part of it. And they would probably be the first people to agree with that. Like to say like, you know, we're a part of it. And like you said, you know, we're glad to be a part of it. And because the thing is, if we, if we do things in order to impress someone or in order to appease someone, um, rather than do them, you know, for any other reason other to me, I mean, and obviously this is not something that's like just attainable, ready, you know, like snap your fingers or flip a switch, but um, to do something for you, like you have to do it for you and not in a selfish way, but in like a self-fulfilled way. Yeah. Um, like, And sometimes it is like the flip of a switch, I feel. True. Really- that's true. It really can be. Sometimes it really can be an attitude change. It can be an aha moment. It can be something that's like, oh, that's right. Duh. You know, I, I was just listening back to my last lesson with my teacher here. And, um, and we're working on my onset of high notes, mm. which drive me insane. <laughs> Because, like, there are times when it's like, oh, that was nice. Oh, that was great. Listen to that. Look at that. That is happening. It's happening, people. Yes. And then all of a sudden, it'll be like, what the, what was that? <laughs> like, what was that splatting? Yeah. Like, what was that, this feeling that, like, it just goes into this place and it's just not, 
it's not any you know it's not beautiful and then you know like you look around at people and they're and, and they the, the heads sort of cocked to the side like huh what was that and i'm like i don't know if i knew what it was i would fix it so anyway we've been we in this lesson because i just got tired of it and so we just kept drilling and drilling and drilling um and as we drilled you know she would just give me these little tweaks of things to do and it was this realization that in German, specifically in German, when you sing in German, you have to form the vowel in your mind prior to the beginning of the phrase. So that's one thing. Yeah. And then another thing, and I, and you know, people have said these sorts of things, but it's like, here's some step-by-step instructions because I do really well when people are like, I need to do this and then that and then the other. So, um, so there was one. And then the other thing is that, um, you know, it, and you hear this from the beginning of, of study, which is, you know, you breathe for the phrase and, you know, someone, you know, with a really frilly shirt on says that to you in that voice and you're like, yes, I'll do it. But it's like, what the, does that mean? You know, what do you mean breathe for the phrase? And it's like, you have to, you have to know how much to take in and you have to know, you have to know the piece so well, mm-hmm. right? That you know what it's going to take. You have to know it also when you're under stress or, you yeah. know, when you're a little bit under the weather, like you have to know what it feels like in all of these different situations. And then so the other thing was this like sort of cutting off like i i needed you know instead of like because german is such a plosive language mm-hmm. um it's very easy to be caught up in consonants and you we have to sing on vowels right because that's where the yeah. voice is fluid and where legato is and if you have a tendency which is what i do which is to try and enunciate um from the back instead of from the front uh, then you, then you cut off half your voice. Hmm. So, so we worked on that, but the, the, the whole reason I went into this spiel was, was to talk about this idea of not pleasing because it would be very easy for me, um, maybe six months ago to have come into a lesson with Linda felt like I'd failed her. Like mm. every time I do this wrong, I'm failing her. Like I'm not doing a good enough job instead of, which is what I'm, I'm finding, you know, my process is now, which is, well, what is it? What are you doing? Instead of being, instead of concentrating on how I think maybe they feel, I concentrate on what do I need to do? Like, okay, not, not what do I need to do to make them happy, but what do I need to do to understand for myself? Like, cause I know it's wrong or I know this feels right. Why does this feel right? So taking away the personal part of it, does that make any sense? Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. It makes a whole lot of sense actually. Um, and I, I actually have a, an example of this, um, so during this meditation that I just did, it was probably, I don't know, 20 minutes or something. Cause I just, I knew that I needed some stillness and some sort of, uh, you know, like the deeper wisdom and not just the running thoughts that are like, ah, like crazy war path. Like, <laughs> totally. Um, and, uh, and I said, why, why aren't my high notes working? It's like my high notes are working. And then, I had that terrible coaching last Thursday and suddenly they weren't working anymore. Mm -hmm. 
And, and I, and I know, I knew what was happening is my, my soft palate was not coming up. And so there was not space. Like it just was staying down. And so it was like, I got to a certain point, be natural if you must know. And it was just like, there was a lid on it and there was like nothing I could do. The, the quality of the sound changed and it just felt like such a struggle. Like I felt like I had to sort of push the air in order to get the sound to even come out. And it didn't feel tense. Like it didn't feel, it didn't feel like my larynx was coming up even, although I'm sure it was. If my palate was down, my larynx was probably up at least a little. And, um, and the, the thought that came to me when I said, why is this happening? Why isn't my palate coming up? Was because you're thinking too much about that out there and you're thinking about sending the sound out there and having a big sound or having an impressive sound or what will they think of this sound instead of inviting the sound, enjoying the sound and really experiencing the sound for myself and when that happens, then, and I, and I thought, is that true? And so I decided to try it in that very moment. I tried to, to, I tried to think about enjoying the sound and inviting the sound and allowing the sound um, and experiencing it rather than sending it out or, or giving it to them, you know, sort of like more of an internal thing, I guess. And immediately it worked. Mm-hmm. immediately it worked because mm-hmm. it was like my sensibilities became fine-tuned to the present right instead of any time that it's a projection to those people out there then you're like wondering what they're going to think and you're projecting into the future of like how will I be received or you know will they like it you know kind of a thing instead of just experiencing it in the moment for yourself have you ever had that uh yeah, no. Yes, of course. <laughs> For sure. I mean, this, I guess, I guess I never, I, I don't know that I've ever tried to necessarily make my voice bigger or, or like, <laughs> does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I definitely have felt the, the sense of wanting to prove something, right? Mm-hmm. That sense of like, I, I, I am worthy to be here and I'm going to show you instead of I'm going to focus on everything that I'm doing and I'm just going to be present, present with myself because you can't control anything else, right? This is something that we've talked about several times. You, you can't decide what they're going to think. All you can do is be you. And when you're present with yourself, then it takes a lot of the pressure away because I, th- I think because, yeah, because you, because you, it, it's not an unknown. Right. And yet like that makes perfect sense and it sounds really wise and I like it. And yet, why is it so hard? <laughs> um, I think, I think it is, a, I think it really is actually a, um, a flipping of a switch, but I think sometimes you need to hear that from someone else that you trust. Um, at least for me, that was the case. I needed to hear that from someone who heard me. And I, I mean, it was, it was, I've heard it from several teachers at different times or different people who have heard me sing, say things like, Rachel, you can do this, like at the Met competition, you know, or whatever, like, like this is something you can do. And then I'm like, really, really? 
I don't know. Do I really trust you? Who are you anyway? You know, like this sort of thing. But when I when I heard it from from Linda, who said to me, you know, you just have to change your thinking about this certain thing. And she's like, it's not a big deal. You're going to be fine. Like, you just have to think about it differently. And words. it's not a big deal. You're going to be fine. I love those words. Yeah. I love those words. Yeah. Yeah. I love those words. I need yeah. those words this week. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to. Absolutely. But the thing is, like, I'm not. I made a decision prior to beginning to study with her. I made a decision that I wasn't going to try and prove myself, but I was going to try and understand myself. Yeah. As a singer. So, mm. and I, and I trust her because she went through a process that as I've read about it and talked with her about it, it, it doesn't feel so dissimilar to what I've experienced. And, and also because I listened to her voice and I'm just like, what the, what, you know, I want to do that. You know, I want to understand how the voice can sound like it's constantly spinning you know, where it feels like it's constantly giving and receiving, you know, how do, how do you balance? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. How do you get that? And when I focus on getting that instead of, oh, will she like it if I do it like this? <laughs> right. Um, it's a, I mean, I also think that it's an approach that, you know, it, it's, it's manageable, because again, it's it's focusing on you, and I, um, yeah, I don't know. So yeah, that was a thought. That, mm, mm. So this, um, yeah. So this this willingness to be present is sort of, you know, the opposite of heading for the hills, right? And like escape, like run away. Yeah. I'm just going to get off of this note as fast as possible. I know it's got a fermata, but you know what? That's a really, you know, you, you can really fish with that. You can just kind of play around with that. It doesn't have to be that long. <laughs> well, or even just like uh, as something as simple as like giving up on singing, just walking away from the career because it's just, or something, not even as simple, but as something as, as huge as just being like, I can't do this. It's, it's too overwhelming. Um, but it's not, it's, it's not that present thing that's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. It's the, it's the not being present thing that's overwhelming because you can't, like we said, like you said earlier, we can't control how we'll be received or what other people's responses will be to us, but we can be there with ourselves and we can experience things as they happen um, if we're willing to sort of, yeah, just not not give our attention to those things outside of ourselves that we can't control. Yeah, for sure. Well, so, and, and recognize that you know, similar to what we talked about in the podcast a couple couple of weeks ago about no one can make you or break you. No one on that audition panel is going to make or break you ever. Like I had to, you know, I learned that I had to learn that sort of the hard way when, you know, I had a mentor in my life who had made a lot of really big promises and then, mm. you know, at least so far hasn't followed through with that. <laughs> and, but the fact of the matter is this is a person who, 
will not make or break me, but I have to make that decision. You know, I had to decide like, okay, well, these were some really great things and, and they never happened. And, and that's not the end. And yeah, making sure that I think that we are in control of how we feel about something, right? We can't, we, we can't be in control about, you know, how someone else feels or, or what they think about a performance or whatever, but, but we can, we can show up and we can just do the work and do the work um, for us. Yeah. Ooh, I knew this was going to be a good one, Rachel. This is such a good one. <laughs> so, um, so can I share the sort of the thing that I wrote down that I got out of this meditation that I did? Yes. Uh, it's not, it's not necessarily about singing. It's kind of, it, that's what's interesting. My, my old teacher, Kate Johnson, who I love, um, she used to say singing is a reflection of my soul. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of like, whatever I'm doing, however I'm approaching life, um, it's how I'm approaching singing. And so singing can actually, or see a mirror to my soul. What did I say? Reflection? Anyway, um, whatever whatever's going on with my singing is generally a reflection of something larger, like my approach. And so when the singing is easy and there's trust there and you're allowing, then that's generally happening in life too. And when there's doubt and fear and um, hesitation, and self-consciousness and all those things, then that's generally present. It's kind of, you know, the singing isn't a departure from the rest of the approach toward living. Hmm. And that was kind of, go ahead. No, finish your thought and then I'll jump in. Okay. Just don't, I don't want you to forget. Um, <laughs> you know me so, so well. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I'll remember what I'm going to say. So why don't you go ahead, Rachel? Um, I'm sort of of two minds of this. One, yes, uh, I think that how we are and where we are in our lives is definitely um, reflected in our singing. But on the flip side of that, I feel like that gives too much power to my emotional state. Um, And I don't want it to run my life. Does that make sense? So in this, like something that came out of a coaching recently with someone was that the voice, regardless of the situation in the opera, um, has to always remain positive. Like it has to always be a positive charge, right? Not a negative charge. It has to be positive in the sense that because when it's a positive charge, you know, you hear people talk about, you know, the palate lifts when, you know, at the very beginning of a yawn, like not, not when the yawn is happening, but like at the very beginning or, or when you see someone you haven't seen in a long time that, that you're excited about seeing. And like, it sort of takes your breath away momentarily, like in this kind of like, you know, this sort of in, inspired moment. Um, those, those are the kinds of things that, um, you know, that sort of reflect to me what a positive energy is. And, and I just, I feel like we get in our heads so much because I know plenty of singers who like their lives are really, really difficult and their voices are glorious. Mm. And, and I think, I think it is possible to separate. Um, I think that it's necessary to separate in order for it not to become self-indulgent. Um, 
and in order to make sure that the voice is actually an instrument, you know, rather than the emotional roller coaster, you know, that is life. Hmm. Yes, I agree with this. I agree with what you're saying. I think kind of what Kate meant and what I what I was trying to say more is that it's it will reveal things about yourself that maybe you're not conscious of, not For necessarily sure. emotions on the surface, but more sort of your subconscious approach to life, whether hmm. you are um, whether you're more open or whether you're more closed, whether you're more trusting, whether you're more fearful and sort of um, whether you're more present or whether you're more thinking about past and future and what other people think and all those hmm. things that are outside of your control. So, um, but yes, I like what you said too. I really like that actually, the, po- the voice carrying a positive charge that makes me think of um, when I sang Suor Angelica and I actually went and saw this opera just, I don't know, three weeks ago or something um, and was reminded of that difficult scene with, well, I mean, there are actually so many emotional scenes in that, in that role. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, this is, oh, this topic, it's killing me a little bit because <laughs> um, it's so good. It's just so rich. There's so much, so much here. So let me share, though, really quickly on this, um, the thing I wrote down. So because I, I guess the debate in my mind over the past several years when I've, I've been between New York and Germany and I've been waiting to, to get an agent because I thought maybe I'd end up in Germany and need an agent over there. Um, and, and then finally this year, because I knew I wasn't going to be in Germany for sure, I decided to audition for agents in New York. And now I have this new awesome management. Um, and, but this, the debate though, for, it's probably been like almost four years, probably since the end of my, the audition tour I did in, in Germany and Austria, um, has been sort of like, is it worth it? Do I really want to keep pursuing this? Like the sacrifices that I make, um, and the effort and the mental distress and the financial burden and like all of this, like, is it, is it worth it? And one time I remember in particular was just, I was swimming in the Mediterranean in a couple of years ago in the summer. One always thinks of these things when swimming in the Mediterranean do go on. <laughs> and I was just like, should I do this? Well, because I was studying with a teacher who was not helping me at the time. He shall remain nameless. But no, made me so mad. I was so mad. Go on. I, I know. I know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, but it just, I, I just remember going to to work and feeling hollow, and feeling like there was no soul in what I was doing there was no and there my my desire was completely diminished and I just was like what like am I am I supposed to do this I love supposed tos they're awesome but and and the question and the answer came back it's not about what you do it's how you feel about it mm-hmm. that matters. and and that was kind of the answer that came today too it's not about whether or not I do it it's about the way I do it my approach to living is reflected in everything I do, regardless of the activity, whether it's Absolutely. Singing, whether it's whatever. 
walking away won't gain me anything but opportunities in other areas of my life to learn the same lessons. <laughs> yep. So I can either learn it singing and auditioning and whatever, all these all these little hoops that are part of this this industry and this activity, or I can learn it another way and I can choose. I've already dedicated, what, almost almost 30 years of my life to this particular activity, so... I think I'm just gonna think I'm just gonna stick with this for now because <laughs> as long as it's the same lessons, I just why don't I just do something I I'm familiar with? I don't know. Well, and also that has the potential to bring such joy. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, joy joy is not a small thing. It's not. Yeah. And it's rare. Yeah. So let's talk about joy in the Okay, voice. it's almost Christmas. What? It's almost. Yeah. <laughs> let's bring the Christmas spirit and let's talk about this positive charge, this positive energy. So so what we were going to what we were going to focus with, focus on with this podcast today was this the idea of context and how the things that are around you affect you so much in your singing whether you're on a stage whether you're in a tiny recording studio whether you are with people who truly believe in you whether you are with people who doubt your abilities um, whether you're in front of a large audience that's totally into it or whether you're singing in church <laughs> or which we've talked about a little bit in previous <laughs> podcasts mm -hmm. um, and depending on which church you're in, depending on the, the level of support that you're receiving or if people are judging you for showing off or whatever it can be in those, in those places of humility, those humble, more humble places. And I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Did you eat chocolate right before, you know, or, you know, what are, what are the things that affect the instrument? But more than that, I think, affect the energy. Did energy the sacrament bread get caught in your throat? <laughs> I need a minute. I need some more water. Sorry, sorry. Right? Or, yeah, or, yeah, singing in church, it's like, well, I get to sit here and, yes, yeah, sing hymns, so it's kind of a warm-up, but I'm in this, you know, I'm in this position of kind of slouchy a little bit, and I, and then I get to wait, and my voice dries out, and I... And, you know, and I just get to sit here for 30 minutes before I go up there. You know, there's no green room at church. <laughs> well, in some churches, I guess they, they do. But um, I don't know, not so much. Oh, and also this is another thing I thought of. Um, singing in a choir versus singing as a soloist. Mm -hmm. singing, singing in a live space versus singing in a dead space, mm -hmm. just acoustically. Um, or also this, when we imitate people. What does that do? How does that contextualize the sound that is coming out of us? Well, imitation, well, I think when it comes to singing, uh, I mean, that's, that's how, right, we learn vo vocalization in general, you know, by imitation. That's how we, that's how we learn language. You know, I, I watch my son sometimes and when I'm reading something, he'll, he won't look at the book, he'll look at me. He'll look at my, like, how, how my lips are forming a word. Um, mm. And with, you know, with this, this really focused intensity, uh, because he's, he's learning. He's learning, you know, how, 
how to how to how to build language and I think hmm nope it's gone what did we say <gasps> imitation <laughs> oh thank you imitation um but and it's something I've probably shared before but this idea that when you know when kids hear autotune they start mm-hmm. to have a metallicized sound where they're compressing their um their larynx and it's a it's a really unfortunate thing uh imitation i think imitation is always the start of something but it's when we decide to stay there that we aren't really living um and i think that that's that happens in life in so many ways like i mean what advertise advertising the entire industry of advertising is built on imitation um, mm-hmm. you know, you need, I, I, I was watching a clip on YouTube and it had this like Maybelline commercial and, you know, it's like, you know, you want this contour, you know, you do, you know, and like, it's, you know, so we're like, I do, I do. I, yeah, I'm watching and I'm like, man, her face is so shiny. Man, that would be, maybe that's cool. You know, I don't know. <laughs> um, like, no, I don't need this contour. Um, but but advertising is real it's it's an imitation and even even the saying imitation is the form is the most sincere form of flattery yeah. um and though that may be true be the one they're imitating don't yeah don't imitate yeah be the yeah be i mean I, i've told you that experience about going to see the play jerusalem uh, which Mark Rylance was in, who's a fantastic British actor, like fantastic British actor. Uh, and how in that performance, he transformed and transported everyone attending. And in the end, we spoke with an usher and I said, you know, um, who's his understudy? And the usher laughed and said, huh, he doesn't have one. If he doesn't go on, the play doesn't happen. And I, and, 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 you know, yes, yes, be that, you know, be, be the kind of person that, um, is irreplaceable. And the Mm -hmm. only way to be that is to be fully yourself. And the only way to be that is to fall and get back up and, you know, stretch again and figure out oh, what, what am I doing in this moment vocally like what am I doing what what is that you know what's happening what do I need to do to change and 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 being open to receiving the inspiration because I think that that higher power will give you that inspiration and will bring you to a place of joy yeah Ooh, I love it so <clears throat> so I I have memories of uh of, of listening to Kathleen Battle. So the people I listened to when I was like in those formative years of just beginning classical voice lessons, um, this was, would be like the late eighties, um, early nineties was Kathleen Battle, Carrie Takanawa and Mira Lafreni. Those were kind of my three that I listened to. I listened to Kathy Battle more for sort of art song. And I had the recording that she made in Vienna with James Levine on the piano and it's just exquisite. It's still, I think, maybe because I discovered it at such a tender age, it's still um, one of my favorite albums. I just think well, it's... Well, I mean, she was no slouch. 
Oh, uh, no. I mean, no. <laughs> those, yeah, are, but... those are not, you know, bad people to be listening to. Those are great no. singers, you know? Yeah, and I listened to lots of Puccini arias, which gave me the idea when I was 12 or 13 that I should be singing those soon. <laughs> of course, just like, you know, Jackie Evangco or whatever her name was or Charlotte Church. Oh, wait, nobody will remember who they are. That's right, because their voices are now gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, well, go on. <laughs> yeah. Well, so um, I was talking to, so I teach my cousin, I think you know this, we we trade, she, she gives me Pilates and I give her voice lessons. Mm-hmm. And um, it's awesome because the barter system rules the world. It's um, Hopefully it will someday. But um, <laughs> so I was telling her about how sort of this idea of context and when you, when you're in performance mode, you enter another realm and sometimes sitting at the piano or in the practice room, it's hard to put yourself in that realm, in that performance realm. I, I, let me speak for myself. It's hard for me to find that um, sometimes when I'm in the practice room. Yeah. Um, and yet when I walk onto a stage, it happens immediately and it happens without, I mean, because it's, it's there, the context is there. And so I don't yes, have to it's physical. It. The context yeah, is physical. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. For me, it's yeah. like when I when I step onto a dark stage and when the lights are on, that's what it takes for me. Yeah, and mm-hmm. right, exactly. Because because stepping onto the stage of uh, an audition room is a different stage. It's a different stage. That's yeah. why it's so great when I get to audition in an actual hall. Yeah, well, you know? and I, I audition on Thursdays actually in symphony space, which I've never been, or if I have, I don't remember. They do stuff there all the time, but I looked at an, an image of it online, and it's a pretty big space, and it will be like, you know, a stage, like, theater situation. So, which is, you know, it's nicer than just NOLA, and, you know, the people are, like, 20 feet away from you, and it's just a room with all the lights on. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But so I, so my, my cousin came and saw me perform last month when I was singing a, an oratorio in a concert hall. And she said, I totally get it. I totally get what you're saying about it being another realm. She's like, I could tell you were just in another realm when you were performing. And I was like, yeah, but I mean, that's what happens effortlessly when you actually have the surroundings. Um, you have an audience, you have an orchestra, you have a conductor, you have all the parts are there and just the excitement of that live event everyone coming together to experience that music and to and to experience that story and everything it's all happening and it's it's just like the combination of so many different people's energy and you don't have that in the practice room you have your piano's energy which if it's made out of wood i think it's better um for I don't sure know, but um but i don't know i just like <laughs> But you know, it's it's still not it's not a person. It still it does have energy. But um so so I think what I'm trying to get at with this imitation thing is that when you listen to a recording of a performance, it has that energy of a performance. Although I'm trying to remember most though are in studios unfortunately, and that um, also I think is you know, lends itself to not so great singing because when you're, I mean, for the person listening, uh, if they are imitating that because a studio recording is just not the same. I think if you're going to listen, uh, for, you know, for real, you have to listen to a live performance because it's just different and, and it'll be messy. 
It will be. It won't be perfect. Um, yeah. But it'll be. But it, it has the potential to be incredible. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting question sort of to to think back on recordings that I love and think about where they were recorded, if they were done in a studio or if they are live recordings or if they were recordings done in a hall, you know, but not with an audience or whatever. So, um, but I feel like imitating, even imitating a professional who has had the experience of performance so much that they can sort of bring that context into the recording studio and they can bring that sort of excitement and that energy to a certain extent, because I think that there are plenty of studio recordings that are amazing and maybe they're not as true to life. Like you're saying, maybe they're, maybe they've been edited or tweaked in some way to make them more perfect than they ever would have been as a live recording. Mm -hmm. But, um, I think that, 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 that imitation can be sort of a portal. Um, because otherwise, I don't know. I just feel like the world we live in today is so casual and every everything's so blasé, right? Mm. And everybody, and we don't stand up straight to begin with. And and I, I I frequently practice, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing with my spine right now? Like I'm just like such a slug. Like what am I doing? Why do I think that I can sit like this and <laughs> and still get the result out of my voice that I want? Which isn't to say that you always have to be in a in the same position because with staging, you know, you do all kinds of interesting things while you're singing, but. Well, I think it's also really important to not be too hard on yourself. Like, in, you know, like instead of instead of being like, oh, man, I suck, you know, just be like, oh, I should probably sit up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like to be kind to yourself and know like and, and, and pat yourself on the back for recognizing it. You know, like yeah. there's always a way there's always a way to to turn something that that is potentially, you know, beating yourself up into in you know, in, into a, into a good positive experience, but you have to, you know, we do, we have to concentrate on it and you have to first come from a place of worthiness and know like, yeah, you're, you're worthy to be here. You know, you, thank you for that reminder, Rachel. Yeah. Yeah. This you've, you've, you've earned your seat at the table, you know? Yay. Yeah. So have you ever had, have you ever had this experience where you practice, um, or you learn a role on your own? at the practice room and then maybe you coach or work with a repetitor or something a little bit to, to make sure that you're good, um, stylistically and outside pair of, pair of ears. And then you take it to rehearsals and you're, you know, working with <clears throat> the conductor and the orchestra and whatever. And then when, when you go to perform it, it just is a completely different experience for you in your body. Totally. So what's that about? Like, how can you, how can you, if you don't, if you're not, if you're not preparing in rehearsals, like you just can't mimic that. You can't mimic the adrenaline. You know what I mean? Like it's there a little bit once you're with the orchestra and everything, it's like exciting, but then you get on the stage and the audience is there and it's just like, I have a different voice. Like it does, it's not doing the same things that it normally does. It has this extra oomph to it, you know, which mm -hmm. can be a good thing or a bad thing, but there's definitely that oomph. That adrenaline. Oomph. Yeah, it's interesting. So I I performed in this class after working with the coach here for the first time, and and she's like, "Oh, you need an audience," <laughs> and I just laughed, and I was like, "Well, I mean, yeah, it helps, you know. <laughs> like, it's really nice, you know, because I am actually a performer, <laughs> as it turns right. out." Um, and but I think that that's why. 
you can't prepare for the adrenaline, you know, you can't prepare for that. And you, you can prepare for the fact that it's going to be a little bit different and just accept that it's going to be a little bit different. Um, and that's, I think why you, you do things a bazillion times. And I think that's also why people often have the roles that they have, right? They have their roles that they perform over and over again all over the world because this is what they do and and it's um it's something that they you know it's predictable in in the sense that um that the voice will be consistent and that right. they know what it's going to do in all these situations i think a lot of it really does come down to like how many performances do you have like this is this yeah. is one of the things like when i did a run of a show and i think we had like 12 or 14 performances over like a six week period. That's a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. And it was great because I got to discover who my character was like every time, you know, she was a little different every time and I'm all for this. And it, and it needed to be a little bit different every time because I mean, it goes back to that thing that, that one of my favorite acting coaches which is kind of funny because he didn't speak a word of English. He was Russian, like truly the Stanislavski method, like from the man himself almost. (laughs) And he said through a translator, "Um, Rachel, you specifically have to think about every performance, every time you sing as if it were both the first and the last time. Hmm. And, and I think that there's so much um, in that because then it is always new. It is always necessary, right? Like you have to say this right now because you won't have another opportunity. Mm. Um, and, and I think that that kind of performance, that kind of excitement is rare. I think we, we go and we see a show and we often feel like the performer is very safe. And, and, um, I don't know. I, I don't know that I want to necessarily, I want to be, I want to be trustworthy, but I don't know that I want to be safe. You know? No. Like, like I, predictable. Yeah, I want, yeah, exactly. I, no. I, I mean, yeah, there has to be a life force. There has to be something within what you do that, you know, makes people keep wanting yeah keep wanting to pay to come and see you for sure and you know what it's uh, I over the years as I've sort of checked out artists and you know like young artists or just a classical singers in general you know I can watch about five to ten seconds of a video um, and maybe more like 20 to 30 seconds of an audio recording and know immediately if I want to keep watching or not, you know, like if I can, I can, in that amount of time, I'm either bored or interested in what a person has to say and how they're going to say it. Yep. And isn't it interesting? Um, yeah. So I also, I want to say too, when I was the, the particular performance I was thinking of that was so vastly different, um, that I was asking if you'd ever had that experience of going through the, all the rehearsal process and then 
getting to the performance and just being like, oh my gosh, who am I? <laughs> like, it feels good, but this is different, you know? This is totally. Was actually, was actually, um, uh, it's a one, it was a one act opera and we only did one performance of it. Mm-hmm. And so like, if I had had more opportunities on the stage, oh, and it wasn't, um, it was semi-staged or something. It wasn't like a full production with, with a set and everything. We were just on the stage with the orchestra. So it was more sort of concert style or whatever. Um, but yeah, that, that changes the context too. When you have this long run of shows and in opera, we never have the length of runs like they do in Broadway. But, um, but when you do the same roles over and over with different countries in different parts of the world, sorry, with different companies in different countries or whatever parts of the world, Mm -hmm. um, you, there is a different context there too. And you sort of, it's beautiful as the character develops. Like you're saying, like you got to know that character because, and and I had that a little well, bit. Well, I got to know how she changed. Like it was raining. So, you know, there was one night when she was a little ornery. You know what I mean? Like, it, <laughs> like there's, you, you kind of, yeah, you just have to sit with them. Yeah. And I think about like, so Violetta is is a character that I or a role and a character that I have a long and storied past. Like I have a long history with Violetta, mm-hmm. and my I history can... lasted exactly one coaching with Violetta. <laughs> <laughs> They're like next. Why? Why? Tell me why? Why do you think you should sing this? I don't know. I guess I shouldn't. <laughs> pretty. Because <laughs> it's pretty. Because my mom said, wow, I wish you could sing that. Okay, anyway, go on. (laughs) Yeah, I probably, I picked up the Act 1 aria for the first time when I was probably 18. I'm trying to be generous. Maybe I was 17. But um, way too early. And I just was enthralled. Yeah, but it's so fun, you know. What a crazy, awesome aria that's super long and... Dramatic. And basically, and... like four voices in one. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And um, and since that time, I've taken it to. Um, I've learned the whole role. I've understudied it. Um, I've taken the, that aria to auditions around the world um, at various times in my life. Not been able to sing it at all because I, my production was too heavy and I would get stuck and I just couldn't do all the coloratura and I couldn't do all the high notes. And so, um, so for this audition on Thursday, that was one of the things that they wanted to hear me for. And this was kind of why the, this was kind of why the, um, coaching, I think last Thursday, the one that sent me into that emotional tailspin, um, why it went South was because he wanted to work on Violetta. And I was like, well, I've been sick and, you know, I had been working on it and I was, had been in a very, kind space to myself very present with it and it was coming along well but because of where I was with having been sick um and it being that time of the month I don't know if you should say that on the podcast but like, oh come man on. no it's real man so it's I was real. just like I don't think I, I don't think that's gonna work today and I could tell he was disappointed see and that's why that's where my fear of disappointing comes from is that I I felt it on Thursday in a very real way which I hadn't felt before and um anyway so, um, so Violetta, um, is a role that I know I will sing. I don't know. I don't know when 
it will be ready. It's not ready today. I don't today. know when. I don't, I don't know how, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So it's not ready for this Thursday's audition. Um, I don't think that I'll be singing it this audition season um, for an audition. Um, but I want it to be really ready in that I want to own it. And I want to be able to have it in a way when I take it there, I can be present with it when I take it to the audition. Because the audition auditions are like the crappiest performance situation ever because you feel like you're there to be judged and you know, of course, there's always going to be people judging you, but at least in a, like with a lay audience, you know, 75%, let's just say, are, are people who don't know any better and they're going to love you. So you have like at least that going for you, right? But in, in an audition situation, especially if it's toward the end of the day and they've already heard a lot of singers and they're tired and they're hungry and whatever, they just don't want to hear one more dual song or whatever it is. Um, and you, of course, have brought the jewel song to sing for them. <laughs> it's just like not the energy that you want. You know what? Here's what I have to say. Say it. You know, he was disappointed. And thank goodness you don't sing for him. Yeah. That's not why you sing. I know. The thing is, I know that he wants me to be Violetta, and he claims patience, but underneath, he really doesn't feel as much patience as he would claim. I well, think. I'm sure, because we all, you know, when when you see someone who's going to be able to, you know, make money by doing something, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, he's got to eat, man, right? I get it. It's true. Um, and you. Yeah, and you do, too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that. yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. You don't sing for him. Yeah. It's but, so true. Yeah. Rachel, I'm so glad you're there to remind me of these things. And you just don't. And so, and so you take it, you know, you, you know, it's disappointed. Yeah. I don't sing for him. I'm so grateful that you're in Vienna right now doing this program. I can tell that it's just like amping you up with all kinds of vocal wisdom and life wisdom it's and pretty amazing it's awesome and i tell you this is how it's supposed to be right you're supposed to be doing a couple of voice lessons a week and then between the voice lessons having coachings with pianists and working on all of these different ideas and this is how it's supposed to be so that you can actually move forward with something versus just going you know once a week talking to someone one time for an hour and then you're just on your own like no it is a collaborative experience even though so much of what we do is in isolation like you every day essentially like go in and check in with someone um mm. and you know talk about different things and 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 i think it you know it makes a huge difference for me as a person who is so social like um i I was actually thinking about this, and I don't, I don't really know exactly how it relates, but th this is something I've been thinking about. So, that's why I want to talk about it. Yeah. I am not a person who goes out seeking information. Like, as the sirens go in Sorry. the background. <laughs> no, yep. it's cool. No, I was like, this is my dramatic entrance. <laughs> um, I, like, I, I'm a... <clears throat> excuse me I'm somebody who like for example in high school right so one of my best girlfriends was like oh Rachel we have to watch this movie because you're gonna love it 
And she knew me really well. And she knows me really well. And we watched it. It's totally my favorite movie. Um, and... Wait, and are you going to say what it is? Have I never told you my favorite movie? Yeah, it's... um, Shadowlands? It's Shadowlands. I just it's, said that. Oh, you did? I didn't hear it. Oh, okay, so... Yeah, we watched it at the... We watched it at your film night. That's what... Yeah. That was my guess, actually. Yeah. I love the movie, too. And you're the one who showed it to me. Thank you. It's just so wonderful. I mean... It's so unbelievably sad in in the most beautiful way, mm. which is why I love it so much. Um, I love things that are both sad and beautiful. Mm. Um, but yeah, so she introduced me to that. She introduced me to my favorite book, my favorite novel. Uh, she said, you should read this. And so I said, okay. So I read, I read Jane Eyre and I'm like, yep, totally my favorite novel. Um, and, you know, and I've had other people across my life who have been, you know, close to me. And, and recently someone who's very dear, dear to me introduced me to um, some new music. And I was, as I listened to this stuff, I was like, this is so great. I had no idea that this existed. And I, I think it's because I get overwhelmed. Like, I get overwhelmed with, the possibility of how much there is. Like I go on Spotify and I'm like, oh man, there's so many artists, you know, and and are they any good? And and if I listen to them, am I, go, are, you know, is my heart going to hurt or are my ears going to hurt? Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. So, so I, I do rely on the great recommendations of people that I trust. And because I don't trust very many people, I don't listen <laughs> to very many recommendations. And I don't take the time or, yeah, I mean, I, I should say, I don't take the time to really seek out a lot of these things. And yet, um, when it comes to singing, like this is the part of my life where I've been the one to like move forward and grasp for, for things and reach out for things and 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 it's interesting I, I don't necessarily know um I don't know why I wanted to talk about this what was it there was a reason um no it's gone yeah about about not being one who seeks out information in general yeah but when it comes uh, to singing I do. do and and it's not that I uh like <clears throat> I'll be introduced to a piece like at a concert and I'll hear it and I'm like, yes, that, or, um, and I'll want to know, you know, a lot about it, or I'll want to, to hear it by various groups or, or whatever. Um, but, but I think I spend so much time with people that I don't necessarily do that with repertoire. And sometimes I feel guilty because mm -hmm. I feel like I should be more invested in the investigation but I'm much more interested in the investigation of of the why and not the how, if that makes sense. Mm. Of like why something is um, more than necessarily how it came about or... Um, mm. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm the same way, actually. Yeah, so... Yeah. I don't know why I wanted to share that, but there it is. Yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing, actually... Like how much I actually I love music, um, and yet how little time I spend listening to it. That's something else that I that I find so interesting. But I 
this is true of other professional musicians too, is that they spend so much time making music and it's just sort of like, I mean, I love to dance and I love to listen to music, but I just don't, it's not something that I think about doing. And I never, I don't like to have background music. Like, well, I think that's part of it. I think that's part of it as a musician, background music, the idea of music in the background doesn't really exist. Like, we're always listening like we're always you know like it was so interesting the other night we had some people over and and I I asked my husband to put on some jazz and and he put on he put on some um some really intense Coltrane and I was just like oh dear like and the whole time I was I wasn't able to focus on the conversation because I was listening to these crazy runs and this sort of like you know these dueling dueling brass instruments and, and I was just like no this is not this what I meant like I meant like you know like like easy jazz you know something that that you know not not elevator jazz not <laughs> I mean like there's a lot of Miles Davis that would be totally appropriate right but like but it was like it was it was like intoxicated Coltrane and I and and it was just too much but nobody else seemed to notice and so I was like okay I won't say anything but um Mm. yeah I I yeah it's it's interesting because it really does change everything I guess for me if that makes sense like how I feel in a space yeah um yeah yeah oh my gosh so our listeners may or may not know that I got married. I can't remember if we mentioned Congratulations. that. Congratulations. We mentioned it kind of, just like a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I love my new husband so much and he's so awesome. And like, I can't, I never thought I'd be this happy with somebody. Like he's just a great partner for me and we're so well matched and so similar in all the right ways. And one thing that he does though, now that I've said that, one thing that he does is he listens to music, he listens to music on YouTube on his phone Uh and he'll just like have whatever it is. He, we actually have similar taste in music too, which is good. I'm glad, uh, but he listens to, for sure. what was that? Makes a huge difference. Yeah. When someone he does sort of feels to... the world the way that you feel the world. Yeah. So, um, so he, he likes country a little bit more than I do. And he kind of listens to it. It's not really country, but it's kind of bluesy. I don't know, something like that. Um, and it drives me crazy. The, the sound quality that comes out of his phone. Yeah, <laughs> and he's just like listening to it and like singing along, and it's like Keith Urban or something. Ain't no, like, ain't no thing. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, will you turn that off? Because it's just painful. It's just painful and distracting. Yes, it's painful. I understand. And I and I hate it because I know he's enjoying it, but I just am not. Um, because the sound quality is so bad and I'm like, I have to get you some speakers. If we could just plug your phone into some speakers, it would be fine. And I would enjoy it. Cause it's not that the, it's actually not that the, the sound quality of the recording is bad. It's just the phone, the speaker phone, the yeah, speaker phone or speakers on his phone. Mm-hmm. And anyway, it's just funny because I have probably said that to him four or five times, which I feel like a total broken record. And I'm just like, yeah, it's it's still the sound quality. Like, I can't handle it. And I feel a little bit like a neurotic weirdo. But at the same time, I can't deny it. It's true. I just, I can't, can't handle it. I get so. it. 
I totally, just, totally get it. I can't, I can't either. Like, it's not relaxing to me at all. It's like very grating because the sound quality is bad. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, I get it. I totally get it. No, I mean, all that. To, I'm trying to think how, how, how do I want to phrase this? Um, yeah. When, you know, when you, I mean, it's interesting because how I experience music, um, I mean, it's one thing if I'm listening to singers because, classical singers, because I'm analyzing sort of what they're doing vocally, you know, as I'm listening. So it's a little bit more work, but there are times when I don't do that. Usually when a singer has, you know, has just decided to be, right? Like, and they're just there singing and it's incredible. And then I can, I can relax and just be as well. Yeah. Um, but there is something really wonderful about being with someone who experiences music similarly and who appreciates, um, yeah, appreciates music in a similar way. Um, I remember once going to a performance of Rachmaninoff's um, second piano concerto um, and... I loved the adagio because I always loved the adagio because why wouldn't you love the adagio? And I remember him turning and looking at me as I watched the in, the um, pianist play and, and he just said, I wish I could feel this the way that you feel it. Like, I, I wish I, I wish I could understand what it, what it's like for you. Mm. and and it was yeah it was a very it was a very beautiful thing and and I think in that moment I realized yeah you don't hmm interesting and like mm. how important that actually was to me like to feel like I wasn't alone in my experience of of um of music because it is so much a part of me yeah so yeah it's interesting Oh, you know what I was going to tell you? This was the thing that came to mind. I don't even know why. So I, I worked on a film set uh, randomly on, you know, Stephanie Allerton, right? Mm, film director. She was working on this Indian film in Provo and asked me to come on as a production assistant one day. Mm -hmm. And I was like, sure. Come so, be a PA. I hope she paid you. Yes. Good. Well, she didn't, but the the producer, the main producer guy did, or will, as soon as I sent him an invoice. But anyway, so um, I was hanging out with the, with the food guy and um we started talking about singing and he said he loves singing I said I'm a singer and he was like oh great have you seen uh who or who are your favorite singers and he was dead sing serious like he wanted to know their names and I was like okay so he knows something about sing singers and singing whatever and um and I and I told him well you know Pavarotti is just one of the greatest singers of all time you know how can you not love that voice and and he said okay you have to see this and he brought up um, actually he was like, have you ever seen him sing with Brian Adams? And I was like, no, I haven't seen that one, but I have seen the Michael Bolton one. And I was like, wow, Michael Bolton. All right. We he always want, apparently Michael Bolton always wanted to be a classical singer. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, yeah. So, um, so he ended up bringing up a video of Pavarotti and friends 
uh, with James Brown. I mean, freaking I mean, A, Pavarotti and Friends is the reason why anybody even knows about Pavarotti. It's because he he was like, I'll sing with anyone. I'm amazing. Blah. Yeah. Well, and he was pretty old, I think, by the time he started doing those. Yeah. Um, keep but, reinventing yourself, man. Just keep doing yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. Well, and the thing is, it was interesting to see those two artists on the stage together, James Brown and Luciano Pavarotti. And see, each singing in their own styles because he never sang a different style. He always sang opera, you know, and he was singing with these people like the King of Soul. Actually, was that, I don't know, is that his title? James, that James Brown? Was it James Brown's title? I don't want to misspeak. Anyway, he he is a freaking amazing artist. And when you were talking about someone just being, mm-hmm. that was what I thought of when I saw James Brown. I was like, oh, man. He is owning his craft. Like mm-hmm. the things that he does, he just does them and he means them. And I was just, <laughs> I was loving it so much. And it was, and then it was funny because he sang his little bar, part of it. And then Pavarotti piped in in his own part, which is, was of course in Italian and with his operatic singing and whatever. And he also was just, he was sitting there. They like had a stool for him. He was just like yep. hanging out. And it there was just, just comes like, a time. When every man just needs to sit on a stool <laughs> yep. in performance. Go on. But yes. of course, and, and of course, he's just sitting there just owning it. And it's interesting how how comforting that is as an audience member. Um, and, and It goes and back to the not- Brene Brown thing, you know, when you stop hustling for your worthiness, maybe that's yeah. when we finally see who we actually are. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that interesting? I that is going to be my goal for my audition on Thursday, and actually for my coaching this afternoon too, because I have to I have to go there in probably less than an hour. I'm going to leave here to go there, and I, that is what I'm going to do. I am not going to hustle for my worthiness. I am going to yeah. I'm going to be. Just I'm going to own it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you're the only one that can be you, and it's right. the one you know the best. So just do that. Yeah. 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 I love you, Rachel. Love you too. You're the best. <laughs> Yay. <laughs>